Welcome to today's message from Transformation Church with Pastor Jim Balzano. Well, today, like I said, following the service is our business meeting that we have once a year, kind of a time to go over last year and cast a little vision as well. Um, so this morning, I woke up with a thought in my mind. My, my plan, I mean, we always have a plan and then God either, you know, we think it's God's plan and then he changes the plan sometimes. And so my plan was to continue our series, I Will Sing. And we were going to talk about the new song that comes about in Revelation chapter 5. It's such an incredible, incredible chapter. There's a song in Revelation 5 that was never sung upon the earth before. Never sung before. And yet, when Jesus went to the cross because of what he did, there was a song that was birthed into the world that had never been sung before. But anyhow, that's not what we're going to do today. Because I woke up this morning, and when I woke up this morning, I had these two words on my mind. As soon as I woke up, 5 o'clock this morning, and I know that the Lord's usually speaking to me when that happens. Either that or Penny asking me if I paid the light bill. All right? <laughs> all right? But, and, so, and so I said, okay, Lord, I got you. I'll tell you what those two words in a moment. But what I'm, so what's going to happen is I'm actually taking you on a vision casting message today to kind of just uh, refresh who we are and refresh what God has called us to be as a church. And I'm going to do that in a few moments. For those of you who are rather new here, it's going to give you some great information behind a lot of what we do. Um, but it won't be just boring information, I promise you. But before I do that, you have a nine-minute video I'm going to show you that is from our pastors that are talking about last year and vision casting for the next year. And then I'll be back, and then you're stuck with me. All right? Man, 2019, it's been such an, it was an incredible year, so incredible. The year goes so fast when you are working with a generation that is fast paced and is doing a lot. And so Refuge Youth Network, where we just finished out another year, was absolutely great. Some of the greatest highlights that we had this year are we were able to go to a youth conference called Zateo, which was amazing. We were able to go to Winter Retreat with The Door, and that's always a pleasure and it's always fun. And it's just always a cool opportunity to go to these things and see kids encounter Jesus. Uh, the summer came very quickly and we ran hard June, July, all the way through, and it was, it was crazy. We were able to go to summer camp, and at summer camp, we always see kids come to know who Jesus is, and we always have such a great time there. But I think the real highlight of the summer was at the end of, towards the end of the school year, we were able to hire on three interns who worked with us all summer. Out of those three interns, two of them decided that they liked the call of God on their lives, and they liked working with teens so much, they decided to stick around and help us, and they became staff for us. And so we got Bryce McGarvey, who graduated, and, he's, and now he is a director of our Bellwood campus, and we have Chalmers Port, who's our digital media director. And they have been such a blessing to us this year as we continue to just follow the vision that God has for Refugee Youth Network. And so they worked with us all summer and they developed some new programs for us to become better at what we do, such as discipleship programming and updating all of our digital media and our social media game and everything like that. They've been such a blessing to us. Over this entire year, we saw over 500 plus students come into the refuge campuses. And we were also able to see over 50 kids encounter and rededicated their life to Jesus. That's the mission of Refuge Youth Network. That's why we do what we do. And so this year of 2019, we were able to see spiritual growth, numeric growth, and then also we had our banquet, which helped with our financial growth. And we had so many great connections that we made at our banquet, and we had so many people give to us and bless us. And so thank you for everyone that sponsors Refuge, everyone that has given, 
uh, their time, their money. Uh, some of you have even come and helped us and volunteers at our, at our events, like our Thanksgiving dinner, our Christmas parties. All of those things have meant so much to us. It was such an incredible year and we are so excited and so blessed to be able to just live, live with this generation and do life with them. And it's been really cool to be able to see them come to know Jesus in a real way. I'm still shaking my head over having served 20 years here at Transformation Church as the children's pastor. And in the morning of the children's Christmas musical, which Kevin and Marissa Koch so generously and graciously directed, I was completely surprised when the church had a celebration in my honor. And as Will and I sat on that stage, I shed some tears and one of the children asked me afterwards, one of the little boys, why were you crying? I said, because I'm just tears of joy because I'm so blessed. January has marked one year since we have been in the new children's wing. The check-in area is my favorite. This is where the families come in through the doors and have fellowship and actually create family within the church as they check in their children sometimes wait for their children, and it's just a good place to be. The novelty of the railroad tracks has not worn off, and the classrooms flow. We no longer have three floors in which we minister. We are all on one floor, and I really believe it has brought unity to our ministry, boys and girls, Sunday mornings, and Wednesday nights. Last year, we found our preschool program overflowing with over 23 children in one room. The remedy was easy in that we had more classroom space and we had wonderful people who stepped up to fill in the new classroom of the three-year-olds and four-year-olds. There are 100 volunteers in children's ministry. Mind you, 100 people are used to take us from one activity to the other, from one club to the other, from one morning to the next of worship on Sundays. However, we have people that need changes. We have people that could have sickness, job changes. We have people that maybe need some time off. So there is a constant in and out, just like the hokey pokey, put them in, you take them out um, to keep our ministry running. Hey, I'm Pastor John Gray. I'm the lead pastor at Hope Community Church, which is an outreach of this church. Uh, we, uh, we also have what's called the Foundry DH, which I'm also the director of, and uh, we've seen God do some crazy things in both ministries, and we have so many people that help volunteer and help contribute to that, and you're one of those people that sat in the audience today uh, you've given your time and your money, your resources to be a blessing in the community. And we just want to say thank you. I also want to say thank you to my wife, who's been uh, a critical part about what, what we do over there. She's the, the greeter and the, the smiles and everything else that comes through those doors that see her and acknowledge her. And, and we just want to thank her for being a part of that. We want to thank Pastor Jim as well. I also want to mention uh, Dick Weber, who's been uh, such a tremendous blessing to us as we carry on that mission. Uh, we touch probably in the neighborhood of a uh, thousand people a week there at the church and we minister to different needs that, that come through the door, different prayers are said uh, at both the Father's house, Father's table. And it's a ministry that just doesn't 
set in a church. It's a ministry that's out and about. And even in, in me, you have given me the opportunity to go out and share in the community and touch the people that, uh, of this uh, city through maybe drug uh, rehabilitation. And, uh, you know, it's just been an amazing run. And I realize that it's because of you that I can do that. And I just want to say thank you. Uh, a uh, snapshot of just quick what we're doing at the uh, Father's Table. We, we have uh, probably a neighborhood of anywhere from 30 to 50 people who are coming through on a regular basis and we're ministering their needs. We get to pray for them as well. Uh, I want to give you a snapshot of the foundry. Uh, right now we have uh, 13 guys that are there. We have three houses and it's been such a blessing. We're now looking to, uh, to further that vision by adding another house to that. Uh, and we're praying for God to open the door. Uh, the, the Nehemiah Project has been so gracious to offer us a house in that time frame till, till we find such a place for our guys. Let me just say I'm very excited to be on staff here with Pastor Jim and the crew for 17 years. Last year, including, uh, we had a tremendous year that I am so blessed to be part of the worship ministry here. We have a great crew. We just have a wonderful crew that works with us so well has a heart to worship, has a heart for the kingdom of God. And uh, we have new people on the team and, and we're gonna expand even more this coming year. But that's always exciting. We can see what God has done in 2019. You know, also one of the things that, that we do is with the uh, Facebook Live and the live streaming. And you can see some more details in the booklet, but I wanna tell you that uh, most of the time, what is average attendance and viewership on a Facebook Live or YouTube Live uh, is around 1% of your local attendees. Well, for us, what's interesting is our viewership is about five times that which is average in the industry. Why is that? It's because people love connecting to what's going on. Even if they can't be here, they love connecting online. And I am so glad that we have that opportunity. As you know, we also have what is known as Transformation Television, as well as Join the City True Stories. Those are on back-to-back -back right now. Uh, every Sunday, and it's incredible to see the results that we get from this. Uh, we we get about 1,500 viewers, as as we know, throughout the uh, throughout the week on this. Every week, about 1,500 people are watching this show, so it's encouraging to see how God is ministering outside of these doors. And you know, the join the city portion of it, uh, we still highlight organizations of people having an impact in our city, highlighting testimonies, and that's always an incredible opportunity to hear what God's doing. And because of that, I just want to share one. Lots of information in the booklet that you can read through, but uh, a ministry recently told me, Troy, whenever we were doing uh, our ministry, we had a, a connection with people of about a certain number. And after they did the show with us, the involvement in this particular organization almost completely doubled just by the exposure or the awareness that people had now from the, the Join the City True Story show. So that's just an example of what God's doing through this. We're sharing information, we're highlighting people and organizations, we're also bringing a heightened, a new awareness and opportunities for people to get connected to some of these opportunities. Currently, we have 100 children coming through the doors on Wednesday night, and a total of about 80 on Sunday mornings. I was surprised when I saw the Sunday morning figure, but our little ones are really growing. On a Sunday morning several weeks ago, we had missionaries that were visiting and their children came to be part of our children's program. It was interesting that that was the morning that our children were to tell the story 
each table had a Bible story that they were in charge of that they had to go to the board and tell that story. I would like us to be more mission-minded. I would like us to be outside of these walls doing more. So if I would say anything, that is my goal, to have the children on fire, to have the children knowledgeable, and to have them not be afraid to share and to witness about their Lord and Savior. I ask you to prayerfully consider joining us in children's ministry. We have a lot of fun and we have a lot of ministry that goes on taking care of the needs of children. Through our many volunteers, we see God working and meeting needs and we look forward to what God is going to do in and through us in the coming year. So in 2020, we have some really exciting things planned to see what God are gonna do. We're gonna implement some new after-school programs that we're gonna be adding. We also hope to be able to add to our staff as well through the internship program that we used last year. And we're really, really looking to try to start another campus locally. We're not sure where that is, if it's Holidaysburg or it's other places, but we think another campus is exactly what our town needs. And so 2020 is gonna be huge for us as we continue to go after God, as we continue to point a generation to Jesus, Jesus, and as we continue to inspire hope in Blair County. This coming year, I just want to see God move in a mighty way and expand all of this. I'm not satisfied with what we did in 2019. 2020 is going to be an amazing year. And as we continue to grow and continue to pray for direction, I want to challenge you to get on board, whether it be financially, whether it be prayerfully, in any realm of resources or support, I just encourage you to get on board with us. If you have any questions about any of these things, join the city, Transformation Television, Worship Ministry, and anything else, feel free to give me a call anytime. You can email me, you can call me, I'm more than willing to chat. I love working here, I love my job, I love all these things that God's doing in the kingdom and in this city. Thank you. Man, the lives we touch, that's all it's all about. And, and we're continuing to ask God to see what He can do in our community. I'm at, uh, we're praying and seeking God and you know, we're still looking to have a full house at some point. We're still looking to, to see God move in a great way. And, and we're asking God to do those kind of great things. Uh, we see miracles all the time, uh, just providing for the needs of the community. And we do see miracles of people being, being touched physically, spiritually, and mentally. But we're also looking to, to see a little bit more happen in the area of, of kids. So if uh, you have maybe a, an idea or a thought in that process, please let me know. Thank you for listening to me this morning and just be blessed. I'm so heartbroken that Pastor Troy didn't say he loved me. You know, I, I do want to tell you, there's times I sit and watch stuff and I hear the reports of all that's going on and, and I'm completely humbled, to be honest with you, because it is amazing. There, I hope you understand the number of lives that are being impacted, whether it be through the church directly or indirectly at Hope or through Refuge or wherever it might be. It, it's just a God thing and it's so cool. It's so exciting. And here's the fact of the matter. It doesn't happen because of the pastors. It happens you with the pastors. Amen. We know that. And so thank you for being who you are. So, so we're going to do a little vision today. We're going to do a little refreshing. Um, let, me, let me tell you the two words I woke up with this morning. And when I say these two words, you know what you're going to say, right? You ready? 
Well, some of you. Some of you might not say it. Some of you would probably jump out of your seat. All right? But if I say these two words, we are, you say. It was not quite as loud as I thought it was going to be. Either there are some haters or you thought it was a trick. Those were the two words I woke up with this morning. We are. I said, Lord, what's that all about? Like, I got a message ready. I'm ready to go. I'm going to do I will sing. It's a great message out of Revelation, how it impacts our life. We are. I said, okay, all right. And uh, so I said, okay, Lord, what do you want me to preach this morning? What do you want me to share? And he, I really believe he said to me, remind the people who you are. Remember the people what we are about. And, and so I want you to, it basically goes like this. We are Transformation Church. Now, uh, what does that mean? And, and we have a tagline that says, who, it's who we are. It's what we do. And so let me start with you a little bit of a, uh, of a background, if you will. There's a, there's a big idea, there's a concept behind us that first of all, how many of you believe that we serve a transforming God? I mean, no, he's transformed our lives. He transforms, the Bible says he transformed darkness into light. He transformed a formless void earth into something. God has always been this God of transformation. And second of all, we believe that he transforms people. We're transformed people because of Jesus. That then creates a transforming church. Like we are part of the body of Christ, the church universal, the local church, but it's all made up of people who are transformed. And then as you read in the book of Acts, you see these transformed people who became this transformed church that then would do transformation wherever they found themselves, cities, towns, villages, that there was transformation. People got healed, people got delivered. There was great joy in a city in Samaria because of the gospel of the kingdom. And so there's always this idea of this transforming God, a transforming person, a transforming church, and it's transforming um, cities, all right? And, and so for us, there is, when you look at our logo, there are a couple things I want you to see. All right, got this, look at that little gizmo I got now. All right, how many of you see those four dots? All right, somebody tell me what those four dots mean. It's always the Tyrone section. It's always the Tyrone section that gets it. Come on, you're killing me over here. I'm rooting for you. We call, this, we call this in our church, we call this our transformation trail. And it means, this, well, first of all, let me start here. We are a people who were once lost. How many know that the Bible says we were all lost at one time without Christ? Right? And what does lost mean? Lost doesn't really, uh, lost means, and when I preached a message about a year or so ago, that talks about how you and I are lost whenever we are separated from the master, separated from the father, separated from the shepherd. Jesus tells three parables of three things that were lost. The sheep, the coin, and the son. And they were lost because they were separated. Lostness for us is whenever you and I are detached from our heavenly father, we are detached from our shepherd, we are detached from our master, we are detached from him. So that's what, it's, it's a state of separation. Yet the Bible talks about that there's a state where we become found. How many know we didn't find him, he found us? I love that. He found us. He searched for us. He came, the Bible says that he came to seek and to save that which was lost, which is us, right? We've got this Savior. We've got this God. We've got this shepherd that says, man, I am not willing that any should perish, and I'm going to go, and I'm going to find them. And what does, what does that word found mean whenever he says, it, it literally, when you look at the sheep, the coin, 
and you look at the son, being found was being back in possession in relationship with the shepherd or the woman with the coin, right? Or the son. Because now you and I, we are found when we are in his hand. We are found when the coin is in his hand. We are found when the sheep is back in the flock. We are found when the son is back in the family. And then when we are in his hand, how many know we can fulfill his purpose? We'll never fulfill his purpose for our life outside of being in his hand. I often said about the woman with the coin. Whatever that value was, the value of the coin never changed. Lost or found, it never changed. But its purpose was only found in the hand of the master. Your life, let me say to you this morning, the only way you ever find purpose is when you're in the hand of the master because it's in the hand of the master where he can fill the purpose of your life for you. So we were a people who were once lost and now we are people who were found. And yet, we're people who grow. You see those four dots? Oh, that's the transformation trail. Lost, found, grow, go. How many know this morning that when you come to salvation in Christ, it is not expected of you to stay the same? It is not expected of you to stay in the same state that he found you. you. How many of you want to give birth to your child and they stay a baby the rest of their life? Well, compared to teenager years, that's not such a bad proposition, is it? Right? But, but, but there's, there's, there's something unnatural about that. There's something that's not right about that. If that baby doesn't progress and that baby doesn't mature, that baby has a disease. That baby has something wrong with it. The fact of the matter is, ladies and gentlemen, when we are born anew from above, when we are born again, we are born into the kingdom of God and there is an expectation of God that we grow. That we would grow into maturity. We grow into the image of Christ. That we would grow. Listen to me, I don't care how many years you've been saved, I care how much you have grown. And so it's an expect expectation that we grow. And when we grow, it transitions into go, right? And there's many different connotations to this. I did, a, I did a podcast not too long ago about whenever we come, we're lost, found, and grow. Grow is maturity, and then we go. Sometimes our going, we often think about where we're going to go in ministry. Some are going to go overseas. Some are going to go into full-time ministry. Some's going to do this and go there. But let me start with here. There's other things that are just as important, if not more important. How many know that sometimes we have to go forgive? Maturity demands forgiveness on the part of believers. Sometimes it means we gotta go reconcile with our brother, what Jesus says. He said, leave your gift at the altar and go reconcile with your brother because it's more important than your religious service. Uh, that, that we would go, the Bible says, that we would go the second mile. I don't wanna go the second mile, I wanna go the first mile. Right? Jesus says, if they, tell you, if they come to you and they want you to go to the first mile, you go to the second mile. I don't want to go to the second mile because I didn't want to go to the first mile. But maturity says, oh, you know what? I'm going to go. The first one is a surrender of will. The second mile is a surrender of heart. It says, I will go. You see, in our lives, this is what Jesus expects of us. He came, he found his disciples, right? They were lost, separated from him. He appears to them. They give their heart to him. They become saved. They become found. They find their purpose in his hand. They spend three years with him growing so that then they could go. And how many know the world has been forever changed because of them? And you read the book of Acts. It's all about how they were going, right? And so that's, that's when, when you hear this phrase, it's who we are. This is who we are. We are transformed people. 
by what Jesus Christ did, transformed from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, transformed from lost to found, transformed as we grow, transformed in going. Now, there's some things about this for our church that we have some core values, if you will. There's some things that we expect. There's some things we want. And first of those, we are a people of encounter, right? Listen to me. I don't know about you, but when I, I don't wanna just come to a church service and go through the motions. I wanna encounter my God. Do you wanna encounter God? Okay, the Tyrone section didn't say a thing that time. As a matter of fact, the only one I heard was Pastor John. Like, like, come on, like, like, do you serve a God of encounter? Is your God dead and lifeless? Is your God just sitting on a throne watching everything? Or does he wanna be a part of your life? How many of you have had an encounter with God? All through the scripture, New Testament and old, men have encountered God. When we come into this house, we want to together encounter him in worship, encounter him in, in, in praise, encounter him in prayer. We want to encounter him when we expect him to do the supernatural. We expect him to heal. We expect him to set people free. This is an expectation of the people of God. Nobody expect that in this house? Wow. You know, you're not coming here to please him. You're coming here to encounter him. But how many know you can encounter, encounter him in your car and in your bedroom and in your own house? But we are people of, listen to me, the people of God are people of encounter. We're people of discipleship. Bible says to go and make disciples. But let me tell you what disciples are. Disciples are not looking like Pastor Jim. And everybody said, oh, yeah, now you chirp up. Oh, yeah, now, oh, yeah. Discipleship is you becoming the image of Christ. Is you becoming conformed to his image, not my image, all right? You becoming conformed to his image, all right? That's what the Bible talks about very clearly, that we would become his image, we would equip you, you would become equipped right? Jesus spent three years with 12 guys to get them the best he could into his image to carry out the work of the kingdom. How many know he had his hands full? I mean, you think you're doing pretty good until Peter cuts a guy's ear off. <laughs> Come on. Like, right, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the, the Malchus, that was the guy's name, right? All of a sudden, he becomes the first Mr. Potato Head. Jesus puts his ear back on. Like, think about it. He spent three years, what was he doing? Forming them, shaping them, molding them so that they would become like him. Jesus then, he says, what? And it's good that I go away because now I'm gonna put, give, ask the Father and he's gonna send the Holy Spirit and he's gonna teach you, he's gonna guide you. He's gonna show you how to live in this kingdom which you now are part of. He's our guide. So we would become like him, that we would think like him. Do you know this morning that we don't naturally think like him? No, no, you naturally think like the world. You naturally think to the flesh. What do you do when somebody insults you? What do you want to do? I want to insult them back. What do, you, what do you do when somebody mocks you? What do you do? What do you do when they mock your favorite politician? You mock theirs. We're, we are more ingrained to operate in the natural. Discipleship is being conformed into the image of Christ so that we now automatically operate according to the value system and the culture of the kingdom of God. We're people of community. Ha. Guess what? I love this place. You know why? 
because there's everything under the sun in here. That's right. I often joke, we're the island of misfit toys, man. It's awesome. Right? We got a Charlie in the box, and we got a train with square wheels, and, you know, we, we just kind of, but yet we all have this covenant community of believers where in this covenant community of believers, we got one thing in common, the blood of Jesus Christ over our life. That, that, that not one drop was shed more for Henry than me. We're all equal under the blood, black, white, orange, pink, purple, even people with blue hair. <laughs> I remember years ago, when I first started at the church, <coughs> I was sitting on the platform with Johnny Luciano. He was going to sing that day. Some of you remember Johnny. He was a saint in the church. And at that time, he must have been 80, I guess it might have been. And, and I'm sitting on the platform, and, and he's ready to sing, and he's got a three-piece suit on. And, and, and all of a sudden, Jesse came up around the front of the church. And Jesse had green hair, long green hair, baggy jeans hanging down halfway down his butt, right? And this chain wallet thing. And he'd be bopping into the church. And he loves Jesus, right? And I watched Johnny, and Johnny's going. <laughs> and I leaned over, and I said, Johnny, hey, Johnny. I said, you know what's great about the church? He said, what? I said, it's one of the few places in the world where an 80-year-old man in a three-piece suit and a young teenager in green hair and baggy jeans have something in common. <laughs> how, many, how many of you know Jesus didn't call us to be exactly alike? Right? He didn't call us to be this homogenous mixture of humanity. We got it all, man. We got some people who got lots of money. We got some people who got no money. We got people that... You name it. And it's a wonderful thing. And it's a beautiful thing. And it's reflective of the kingdom. And this covenant community of believers is here for one another. And is here to lift one another up. We are a people of community. But not just about this community, but our whole community. We're a people of prayer. How many know we believe prayer? We have different expressions of prayer that happen every week. We got people praying on Monday morning. We got people praying on Monday nights. We got people praying before the service. We have people praying uh, uh, during the week on other issues, right? And we actually got something we're going to begin in this, this year that I have only told about one staff member about. But anyhow, <laughs> right? But we, I mean, we, we believe in prayer. We pray on Sunday. We pray for our city. That's not something we just do just to do. We do it because we believe that he's called us to pray for our city, to pray and to seek the shalom of our city. That's what we do. We're people of faith. Come on. Faith. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not yet seen, for by it men of old gained approval. You know the Bible says? The Bible says in Romans that anything not done from faith is sin. Yikes. Whoa, baby. That's a heavy statement. People of faith. You see, because here's what, here's what we have learned as a church. What we have learned as a church, I think we can say this this morning, is that God sets the agenda, but faith puts it into action. I mean, you know, God is the one who initiates. God is the one that will plan. God is the one that will lay it out for you. All through the scripture, you see God coming to men and saying, this is what I want you to do. And when he said that, I mean, you know, that brings you to a crisis of faith. Do I believe it or do I not believe it? Moses, I want you to go to Egypt and I want you to rescue my people and this is what I want you to do. Moses had to come to, do I believe God or not? Joshua, I want you 
to march around that city one day, one time a day for six days. The dumbest military plan in the world. And then seven times on the seventh day. And I don't want you to attack, I want you to shout at the end of it. Like, yeah, you'll read that in great military battles. How many know it takes faith to carry that out? God set an agenda, faith puts it into action. Let me talk to you about your personal life for a moment. If you will pray, God will give you an agenda. But I will, I will tell you this, that agenda will not be without requirement of faith. Think about it. How many of you want to do what you can do? Or how many want to be a part of what God can do? Faith is being part of what God does and what God can do. That's why we operate in faith. That's why we respond to faith. That's why we speak in faith. That's why we give in faith. We're a people of faith. We're a people of unity, right? Again, look across the room. You got people in here you ain't got nothing in common with except Jesus, right? Praise God we can be unified in Jesus. You have nothing else in common with them. You don't have the same political leanings. You don't have the same racial background. You don't have the same uh, class background. You got nothing in common. And yet, you can be in unity. You see, because the reason we live in unity is we reveal our king and his kingdom through our unity. They will know you're my disciples by your love. How many know they are to walk in unity? The Bible says what? That God commands his blessing where brothers walk in unity. Now, let me tell you something. Unity is not me agreeing with everything you think and everything you say, and you agreeing with everything I think and everything I say. But it does mean I love you, and we're on the same team, and we're in the same battle, and we're on the same fight, and we're not going to be divided over this issue. It is amazing to me to see the things in the body of Christ that, the, that people will become divided over that have nothing to do with the essentials of God. Paul talks about it in Romans 14, the disputable matters. They were fighting in Romans 14 over whether or not they should eat food, meat. And, it was, and it, was, it was destroying the work of God. He literally said that. And today, we have all kinds of stuff that the church wants to fight about. We fight about, we're still fighting, we're still fighting the battle of versions of the Bible. Let me say this to you. Do you understand there are some things that I believe God doesn't allow to be revealed so they don't become idols? The Ark of the Covenant, if he wanted it to be found, it would have been found. How many, I believe God kept it hidden so it doesn't become an idol? If, God, if, 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 if the exact wording, this is going to bug some of you, but you'll be all right. If the exact wording of the Bible was so important, he would have never let the original manuscripts get destroyed. I'm just telling you, get off of your pet garbage that divides the body of Christ. It's not just that. It's all kinds of stuff. We do, we, we've done it with dress codes. We've done it with, we've done it with makeup or no makeup. We've done it with dresses or no dresses over history. We, we've, we've done it with, with music. We're crying out loud. That one drove me nuts for years. Stop destroying the work of God over music. The point is, we walk in unity. We walk in unity. Because when we walk in unity, which is baffling to me why people want to so publicly display the church's shortcoming on social media. I don't understand why I've seen so many different posts by so many different people complaining about the church of Jesus on social media. Why do we want to air our dirty laundry on social media? We must show the world 
of people who love each other and are unified. So they see our king and the kingdom. We are a people of love. Come on. <laughs> Paul wasn't kidding. These, things, these three remain. Faith, hope, and Faith, hope, and my goodness gracious. Can we, get, can, we, can, we, can we get open the cafe and get some caffeine in here? For you decaf people, I don't know what to tell you. Or people of love. Jesus said to his disciples, they'll know you're my disciples by your My goodness, my goodness. Let us remember the power of love. For God so loved the world. We often put that, for God so loved the world, he saved me. He saved the people you don't like too. You can't go wrong in love. The greatest of these is love. It's love expressed in this house, love expressed through this house. I remember telling Pastor John when we first brought Pastor John on staff. He was our outreach pastor. Now look what he's doing. He's at Hope Community Church leading that whole ministry over there. Father's Table, Father's House with Dick Weber leading that and, and the foundry. We got 13 guys transitioning over there and all the things that happened. But when he came in as the outreach pastor, I said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to do anything that loves this city. I want you to do anything that shows the love of God through this church to, that, to this city. That's what they do. That's what we do. We're people of love. We're people of empowerment. What do I mean by that? You know what my job is? My job is to get you to work. The Bible says that I have been given to the body in order to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. How many know this morning there is, everybody is part of the ministry? Oh, don't get too excited about that one, right? There's a there's hundred volunteers in children's ministry. A hundred volunteers in children's ministry. You see, people, to get you to a place where we can help you discover who you are, that we can empower you in dreams, empower you in what God wants to do in your life and through your life. One of the beauties of what we see in this house is that we have created an environment where we can empower Pastor John to go and do what he did and create the foundry. We've empowered Micah to take a refuge and that thing has expanded beyond our wildest dream. We've empowered Pastor Troy to join the city and you got 1,500 people a week watching something. I got prisoners in the prison watching join the city and sending us letters. Not just from SCI, they come from, they come from other ones, Houtsdale, they come from other ones. Do you know what a blessing it is to me that those guys are watching? Why? Because we empower, we want to empower you to wherever God has called you to be. We're people of passion. Come on. Do you know how passionate our God was? Do you know he went to war on our behalf? Do you know he, he, he shed his blood, he shed his son the passion of God. Do you know God gets angry? Do you know God laughs? Do you know God weeps? Do you know God's a God of passion? You know, passion is contagious. I can tell. <laughs> like, think about this. I, and I often say this phrase. The thing about passion is you can't ever teach it. It can't be taught, but it can be caught. I don't care what you're doing, man. If you're making pizzas and you're doing it with passion, I love you. Like, it's just, like, watch, like, let's just do it. Like, like those guys that do that, right? People with passion. Listen to me. You want to see a people with passion, do a study of the book of Acts. Where they rejoiced when they were being beaten. 
They rejoiced when they were being persecuted. A passionate God demands a passionate people. It's funny to me that we have this passionate God and sometimes we withhold our passion for the things of the world. It's easy for us to get passionate over a baseball game. It's easy for us to get passionate over our little league game. It's easy for us to get passionate over the Super Bowl unless J-Lo gets out there and twerks and we lose our mind. So we're gonna lose our mind. Let's do it over something that makes a difference. Okay, shut up, Jim. We just feel so wonderful in our moral outrage because we're so morally superior to them. She's twerking, we're gossiping. Oh, well. I gotta shut up. Passion. Passion comes across in worship. It comes across in prayer. It comes across in serving. It comes across in love. That we're a passionate people because of a passionate God. Some of you and some of us, God has spent more passion on you than you've ever given him. We've given things of the world far more passion than we give our Savior. Passion. Of connected people, people connected, that were connected one to the other. You're stuck with us. We love you. We're connected. We got this thing called connected sisters here. How many know women do it better than men? That's a reality. You only find little goodies out there. There's people out there. Guys are like, yeah, hey, dude, see you later. Women are like, hey, we're having a Bible study. You got 50 show up. Hey, guys, we're having a Bible study. Two show up. <laughs> but there's an importance about being connected. The Bible talks about in the church of Acts how they were all one heart, one mind, and how they ate together glad and sincere hearts. And the Bible talks about how they were connected. We're connected. A people of inspiration, that, there's, there's, that we were inspired. Now, how many know the Holy Spirit's the author of inspiration? He inspired the scriptures. He inspired men and women throughout the scriptures, throughout the Bible. You see, because inspiration will cause you to think the unthinkable. You mean, you mean we can take a 77,655 square foot energy sucking skull and turn it into something for the glory of God? Yes. What was I thinking? <laughs> you can attempt the impossible. It's easy to do the possible. But when God stirs your heart, when he stirs the hearts and he inspires the spirits and hearts of men, men all of a sudden begin to walk in faith and believe their God to attempt the impossible. They see the unseen. They speak the unspoken. They create the uncre uncreated. Because somewhere the Holy Spirit has inspired and challenged and stirred up hearts. Transition talked about the four dots. We talked about them the core values. But then there's this number four in our name right there. Yeah, I had to fight to get that. Some people didn't like it. Don't care. <laughs> there was a, yes, Troy and Mike are now looking at each other. The attempt were not, was not to be cold. It was not to try to be cliche, edgy. It was not to try to be anything. It has one purpose. It's to be a trigger mechanism to remind us of the four things we do as a church to see our city transformed. And listen to me. I'm, I, I, just hold on over here, okay? So over here, the Tyrone section, can you tell me what the number four means? Wow. 
<laughs> like they were waiting, you could tell. I mean, they pulled out the, they pulled out the website, all right? I don't know if they read it or remembered it, but they were on it, right? There's, there's four things we do that, God, that we do that we wanna see our city transformed, the neighborhoods transformed, and the work that we do. And, and the first of those is what? We are a people who will bless. We will not curse where God has put us. We will not curse our city. We will not curse our land. We will not speak negative over it. Amen? By the blessing of the righteous, a city is exalted. By the blessing of the righteous, a city is exalted. It is the truth of God's word. It's amazing to me. God tells a people, the Israelites, who are going into captivity in Babylon, who had just destroyed Jerusalem, burned its gates, killed their people, took the remnant captive, and God says to that remnant, oh, by the way, while you're in Babylon, pray for the city. Bless the city. Seek the shalom in the city. You want me to pray good things for this city that just destroyed my city. Uh-huh. Because if it goes well with it, it goes well with you. You, you see, we're, we're gonna bless. We wanna, we wanna bless our city, which when we do that, there is a thinking and a speaking the word of God, the heart of God, the mind of God over a city. It is literally extending his words over this city. We bless. We're a people who are gonna love the city. We're people who will love. What is loving a city? It's extending his heart. It's just extending his heart to a city. Do you know God loves cities? He loves people. How are people going to experience the love of God? They're going to experience the love of God through the people of God. Wherever you go, God's presence goes with you. God's love goes with you. When you go to your workplace, you carry the love of God. When you go to your club, you go to the, I'm not talking about the nightclub. <laughs> you carry the love of God. Jesus tells us to love our enemies. Yikes. Love our enemies. It's easy to love those we like, but he said love your enemies because it's a revelation of God. When, when, we, when we love our city, it's his revelation. We serve our, or invest in our city. We spend money on the city. We spend money in the city. We put $1.3 million in a building across town that many of you have never been in. And that is operating every day of the week. How many people come through that place a week? John, I saw in your letter, a thousand? Did you hear that? A thousand people come through that building a week. Well worth 1.3 million. If I had to sell the building, I could only probably get 300,000 for it. <laughs> yeah, but when we're investing in bricks and mortar, we're investing in people and we're investing in souls for the kingdom of God. We invest money. Ever since 2005, between that building, our budgets over there, the money we've spent, we probably have $3 million in that neighborhood. Why? That's what God called us to do. He called us to invest. We're people who will serve. You see, when we invest, we're extending God's resources to a city. But when we serve, it's an extension of his hand. We're gonna serve. We will feed. We will clothe. We will work. We will pick up garbage. We will tear down blighted properties. We will uh, put parks and playgrounds in. We will, we're, we're gonna serve. 
Just how, why do we serve? Because I mean, oh, Jesus says that he did not come to be served, but rather he came to serve. And we serve inside the house. We serve outside the house. That's who we are. That's what we do. And I believe that we do these four things. We see a city transformed. I know I'm seeing a neighborhood transformed. Have you gone over there since 2005? And I'm not talking about just tangible brick and mortar. There's even a change in the environment. You see, we are a kingdom people. We are a kingdom people. You've heard me say it many times. I'll say it again today. That Jesus did not come and preach the gospel of Calvary. He preached the gospel of the kingdom over and over and over. And when you and I become born anew from above through the cross of Christ, we become residents of the kingdom of God. We become citizens. We come into the kingdom of God who now operate as God's people with God's culture, God's values, right? And I'll give you a definition and I'm about done, right? I got a blank screen. See, I recently read a definition. Michael Albright gave me a book to read, a good book, by a guy named Graham Goldsworthy. I can't remember the title of the book, though. Graham Goldsworthy talks about the kingdom. And here was his definition, right? The definition of the kingdom, one of the simplest ways we can say it is this. First of all, it's God's people. How many know we're God's people? Because you were transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, and now you are living under the king's domain. You are God's people. You are God's people in God's place. Do you want to understand this morning that God's kingdom does not have a capital? God's kingdom does not have a capital. Because how many of the Bible says that the kingdom of God is within you? How many of the kingdom is wherever you go? The kingdom is wherever his people are. You, you could take the people and put them in captivity in the Old Testament. How many know they were still the kingdom of God? You, you see, we're God's people in God's place. Guess what? You are in God's place right now in this city. You are God. And, and listen to me. It's funny to me, I heard something this week, that sometimes people complain when we use the word city or Altoona because they live in Wenwood or they live in Juniata. Or they, okay, let me say it this way. 166, there you go, you're included. All right? 166, that's it, you're included, right? God's people in God's place under God's rule. That we are God's people. We are, under, we, are, we are in his place and we are under his rule. And to add a fourth one, which Bonnie Williams threw at me one day, doing God's will. This isn't about being a church. Transformation Church is not just, it's not an organization. It's not a building, praise God. It's a people. It's you. It's me. Who have been transformed by the blood of Jesus Christ, transformed by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, he took us from being lost. He took us to a place of being found. He's enabled us to grow, and now we go in the name of the king. And what we do, what do we do? We transform. We use everything God has put in us to see people transform, lives transformed, families transformed, city transformed, neighborhoods transformed, because it's who we are, it's what we do. I don't know about you, I get stoked because I'm a part of it. Because it's about the kingdom. We are not Penn State. <laughs> and all the Pitt fans were saying, yeah, praise God. 
I saw them. When I said we are, they went. (laughs) You're God's people. And you are in his place. That doesn't mean a building. And you're under his rule. And we do his will to the best of our ability. Do we get it right all the time? (laughs) Do your kids get it right all the time? Don't even say, you know, it just doesn't happen. And so I close with this. First of all, I'll give you hope. My three words of hope. Come on, Troy. Let me tell you what. The guys down at the prison, they're always telling me. They're always saying, we we always watch them. We always wait for you to say, come on, Troy. They're just just so heartbroken that Troy ain't down there. They see no hope at the end of the tunnel. This isn't about the church right now. This is about the kingdom. When God saved you, you became a citizen of heaven, a citizen of the kingdom. The kingdom reality is a now but not yet proposition. There are realities to it now, the truths to it now, there's truths that will only be fulfilled at the second coming. And while we live on this earth, you and I have been called by the God. We are subjects of the king. We are servants of the king and are under that domain we are to live in the culture of the kingdom we are to live with the value system of the kingdom speaking the language of the kingdom and it's not even a place we're supposed to come and go because how many know sometimes we do and quite frankly it's usually unnatural to respond in a kingdom fashion which is why we grow the Holy Spirit, who was our guide to this kingdom. Do you understand? We walk into a kingdom we've never lived in before and we don't know how to live in. We know how to live into the world. We know how to return insult to insult. We know how to live eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. We know how to do all that. But all of a sudden, now the Holy Spirit who lives in us says, now this is how you live in this kingdom. This got to go and this stays and this got to go and you got to get rid of this. And, and no, 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 that's not the value of the kingdom. That's not the speech of the kingdom. That's not the attitude of the kingdom. Let me teach you. That's what Jesus said. He'd be our teacher, our guide. It's amazing the things we have to unlearn. And then we got to unlearn church things. That's even worse. And so I say to you today, be refreshed and reminded of who you are and what you do. Who you are and what you do. And what we believe this house is supposed to be, that we're a transformed people who are supposed to be about the work of transformation because we're under the realm of the king, operating as a kingdom people. Man, I bless you today. Man, I bless you. Stand stand to your feet with me. In in a few moments, we're going to end the service. Time is it? 12 o'clock. Okay. When we conclude this service, we will, about 15 or 20 minutes, start our business meeting. Um, you're welcome to stay, any of you who want to. You don't have to be a member to stay. You, if you're not a member, you don't have voice, you can't vote, but you're welcome to stay and hear what's going on, okay? Um, but if you are a member and you're staying, we're gonna need you to sign in. Where's that at, Karen, Karen, Karen? 
welcome kiosk. When you just step out, sign in so we know you're here. Um, so that'll be about 15 or 20 minutes. But let me do this. I haven't done this for a while, and I love doing this. All right, here we go. Everybody, see, when we get in church and we say we're going to pray, everybody goes, not today. Everybody look at Pastor Jim. Everybody do this. All right? I'm going to pray this prayer over you. It's a great prayer. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord, I can't even do this sometimes without crying. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. Open your eyes and look at me. I want to see you right in the eye. And the Lord be gracious to you. And the Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. The Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. I bless you for who you are and what he's called you to be. For who you are and what you do. Thank you for what you have helped us accomplish and God, what God has wanted us to accomplish and what we will do as we attempt to continue to follow his leading. You are the people of God and I bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. You don't even have to sing a song unless you got one just like this, just dying to sing. You want me to sing? God bless you. If you're leaving, have a great week. We love you. I hope you get a little understanding of who we are if you haven't known that.